Welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everyone to another wonderful week in the world of Rugby League and the GNT show. And once again, I'm joined by my host, my co-host with the most, a man who this week celebrated his birthday by getting caught by his doppelganger fogging up the mirrors in the Belmore car park, G. I turned on the demisters and it stopped fogging up. It was a little bit of a combination of the back burning and the fog covering Sydney in the last couple of days, but what a week to be alive. Fantastic. Did your doppelganger ask you why you've still got the choke thing in the car? I've got a classic. <laughs> you've got a classic. <laughs> Ford, Cortina, Ford Cortina. Ford Cortina. Wow. Well, you've upgraded from the Renault. What a week in the world of rugby league. I don't know where to start. Some things that have happened this week. What a massive week. It's like it's like an entire season of Game of Thrones over a weekend. It's just we've binged it. One week without news and they go they go We've got to create something, you reckon? Yeah. So the NRL's going by that all content is good content in other words. <laughs> yeah, okay. So apparently we're gonna get conferences and a Super Bowl. We won't get Sydney Grand Finals anymore, Sydney teams playing Grand Finals, but they did mention they're going to go to 18 teams, and then that kicked off the debate between WA and New Zealand over the second team in the expansion. The debate about immorality, you mean? Correct. (laughs) It would be immoral to expand anywhere but WA. Right, okay. (laughs) Quietly, the NRL women's is going to add two more teams. Matt Burton... Looks like he's going to backflip on the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, which warmed my heart. Sadly, Brett Morris's career has come to an end with an ACL injury. I think the Roosters have uh, they've stepped under an umbrella or they've broken a mirror. What is all the with the ACL injuries? They've had quite a few. It looks like Sean Johnson's going to rugby after Josh Dugan. I hope they play better in rugby than they did for the Sharks. Adam Reynolds, Cam Murray and Nathan Brown were all injured this week as well. Adam Reynolds, depending on which media outlet you listen to, is either going to Cronulla or the Broncos or staying at Souths. Uh, Xavier Coates looks like he's going to the Storm. Yeah, I guess that's why they've let Addo Cargo. Kirsten Tapanay came out with some truth bombs on Ricky Stewart, <laughs> which, which she was 100% right by Of Jusha. course she was. The problem is her husband was a guy on the bench. Well, Ricky's management of the interchange is actually terrible. I mean, we, we spoke about this. Are we sure Ricky's a good coach? In the last 24 hours, um, Matt Johns, Joey Johns and SBW were going to coach Samoa. And now they're not because Samoa's rejected them. So did they just make that up themselves? And then Samoa's like, hang on, we're not interested? No, 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 no. So apparently the coach there um, has lost the dressing room, so to speak, to use a football term. Yep. Um, but they're locked into a contract with him. If, if, if Joey and Matt and SBW are available, if you look on paper... The team Samoa could pull together for the World Cup later this year. If they pulled their full strength team together, they'd be one of the favourites for the whole thing. So, I think I think Samoa's got an opportunity to do a Tonga. Yep. You know, I, I'm actually in favour of them coaching it. I think you've got to take the best candidate for the job. Allegedly, Manu Vatavai allegedly came out as an importer of ice. Yeah, I know. How about that for a shock? And Benny Elias is trying to buy the West Tigers. So, all in all, a really slow week, news week in the NRL. Where do you want to start? Well, the Manu Vatavai thing, he was playing for the, the Warriors. Yeah, but he's, but they didn't have the no stand-down rule. So, is that like the fact that... And he's in New Zealand, right? Different jurisdiction. Yeah, they weren't training too hard, so he had 
time to investigate extracurricular opportunities. Hey, what's in this ball? When you shake the ball, it feels like there's something in the ball. There's nothing in the ball. Who knows? He's um, denied it, but I was shocked that it was him. What well, kind of explains why he never knew where the sideline was? <laughs> That, that explains why he couldn't catch a bomb to save his life, actually. Yeah, and Ricky Stewart, I think that's great because his, Joey Tarpanay's wife was right. 100% she was right. 100%. Joey Tarpanay was on the bench for she 50 minutes. Wrong. And Sia Soliola got nine minutes in that game on the weekend. What planet does that make sense? I shouldn't laugh, but it's kind of funny at the same time. The problem is, she tweeted it, he saw it, and apparently lost his shit at Joey Tarpanay, so not a good sign. So Josh Papali and his wife are apparently going through some issues as well. I don't think it doesn't, and, and George Williams looks like he's homesick, wants to go home. The rumour is Josh Hodgson's already let the club know that he doesn't want to be captain of the club anymore. So it does, it does look like there's a few things going on in the background. Oh, yeah, the two wives fighting? I don't think they're fighting, but I don't think... I, I don't quite know that everyone's talking in riddles around the issue. Ah, oh, okay. But there's, an, there's enough noise there to suggest that there's the, not everything's well. Well, that's... Look, sad to hear, but it looks like that team's slowly starting to fall apart. It's showing up on the field at times. They're, they're capable of playing for spurts, but they can't. The intensity's not there. Something's not right this year. Well, I think I, their window might be closed. I think so. It is. They've got a reset. Um, the other thing was the conference ID. I mean, I'm not sure what I think about that. Do you like the conferences or not? I don't. No. I'll put my cards no, on the table. No, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Everyone keeps pointing to the NFL, but the NFL didn't just start with a blank sheet of paper and come up with this. They had the American Football League that was in competition with the National Football League. It's a bit like the ABA and the NBA. Yeah, and they merged two leagues. When they merged two leagues, they came up with two conferences, right? So it wasn't like this is what they would design from scratch. And then Buzz Rothfield, and I can't believe I'm agreeing with this, Buzz Rothfield came up with the idea around promotion and relegation in the NRL. And that's that's how you that's how you manage these teams. So there's a part of me that goes, as a football fan, there's a part of me that goes, I really like this because I'm used to this. Yeah. And I like the fact that there's more teams and you're there on meritocracy. And the top league becomes really, really good. There's another part of me that goes, we're talking about how do we, have we got enough players for two extra teams? How the hell are we going to find enough players for 14 extra teams? Exactly. The promotion relegation makes sense provided... That would make more sense for the AFL to some degree because it's such a national sport. But for rugby league, there's just not enough players to add another eight teams. Two, I think there is. I don't even like the conferences. And you can't play a Sydney team in a grand final. Like, what Forget about, about that. You've got a Sydney comp where the most they travel is 120 kilometres. And then you've got New Zealand flying to Melbourne and North Queensland and Brisbane. And I just don't... And WA if it's in the... Like, I don't, I don't quite get it. I mean, in no way is that a fair splitting of the... You've got to split the Sydney teams into two different conferences if you want to do that. It's almost like any idea Phil Gould has, has is taken as gospel at the moment by Emperor Volandes. I mean, it's ridiculous. Phil Gould's also the man that brought in the dominant and surrender tackle. And then three years later, when wrestling took over, pretended that he never mentioned that in the first place. He's always got an agenda. He's a great thinker, amazing ideas. But, you know, I always feel like what's his real agenda here at times? I know he's trying to make, you know, rugby league bigger in Sydney and have more Sydney games. But the problem is, it's not the fact that Sydney teams aren't playing together. People just aren't going. Even if two Sydney teams are playing, it's not going to make a difference. 
You know, so I, I'm not a huge fan of the conference. I like the way it is. 18 teams. I'm not sure about another team in New Zealand. I, I read Andrew Murden's article in the week on the weekend, which was pretty good about you know rugby struggles for money in New Zealand. Like, how can another NRL team? I can't, but I can't agree with Andrew Merton's more. I would go with WA. I don't. I don't think we've got the junior base, or it's a big enough market given rugby's dominance over there for a second team. His article was also refreshing to hear because it wasn't one of those ones that you get in Sydney where it's like, oh, you know, rugby, rugby, rugby. It was more, I like both games. Well, as you know, as you know, I'm in that camp. I'm in the camp that likes both games. You know, to me, I grew up playing both. I enjoyed both. When was the last time you watched a game of rugby? I haven't watched one in a while. I haven't got time. I've been focusing on the AFL and the football. How long's a oh, while? Probably last year. Last year, my ass. The last time you spoke to me about rugby, David Campisi was the winner. Oh, please. Please. But yeah, I liked reading his article because it purely was about the idea itself, not, you know, get out of our turf, it's rugby league, blah, blah, blah. It made a lot of sense. And I was always conceptually a proponent of maybe another New Zealand team. But reading his article, I'm like, actually, you know what? Perth is probably the better way to go. Or even Darwin. Darwin. Hey, why not? Why doesn't Darwin have any national team in anything? Can someone explain to me? Yeah, because they got a population of 200,000. Well, anyway... <laughs> That's what you come here for, the hard-hitting analysis. Hey, Townsville's got a freaking team, for God's sake. It's part of Queensland. It's the Rugby League heartland, the number one sport in Northern Territories, AFL. And they've only got a population of two or 300,000. I don't know. I still reckon they should try a team there. But anyway, but... Good, excellent. Just because you think it... What do you think you are, Phil Gould? Not quite. I'm getting there. I don't have an agenda, though. What do you think of New Zealand versus WA? We've spoken about that. Who? Where would you go? WA. Honestly, oh, WA. I agree. I think there's an appetite for it there. There's quite a few people in, in Perth and the surrounds, Fremantle, and, they, you know, they like this sport there. They they go and watch it. Yeah, okay. And and so Matt Burton's going to backflip as well? I can't let you get away with not talking about this. If I was Matt Burton, I wouldn't come either. And if I was at O'Carr, I'd stay in Melbourne. Put it that way. That's all I have to say about this. My fellow Bulldogs fans were very adamant they've got a watertight contract, and my answer to that was, it's rugby league. Correct. Nothing happens. <laughs> like, Correct. please. Have you been, people are backflipping and doing triple somersaults. It's like, mate. I'll see you in court. Yeah, and if I was Matt Burden, having watched him play, we got him at a discount too. We've signed him for maybe $400,000 a year. If he went on the open market now, he'd get close to a million dollars. Well, that well, that's right. And so we we can't move off what the happenings of rugby league without the news today that Benny Elias is trying to buy the West Tigers. Of course, the last time Benny tried to do anything with the club like this, the Balmain Leagues Club, Ended up as a hole in the ground for 20 years. No, not a hole in the ground, a rundown building with graffiti all over it. Correct, correct, for, for, for 20 years. So that was Benny's last attempt at taking the team over. I'm telling you, if I were the West Magpies, I'd just take it over and call it the Magpies. They provide all the funding. The Tigers have come up with Benny Elias and Harry Triggerboff, who was a famous Tigers supporter. He owns Meriton. Meriton owns half of Sydney. I don't understand why they, he can't just buy the Tigers if he cares so much. Well, I don't I, I don't think West Ashfield want to sell it. You know, maybe Harry Triggerboff will offer to build, build West Ashfield a new club with apartments on top of it. I don't know. Financially backed consortium, secret meeting, 10 million bucks for a majority share. It's actually not that much if you think about it. Well, apparently the club's doing okay out off the field. It's just on the field. Do you want to give your tribute to Brett, Brett, Brett Morris? He's the best winger you've seen. He's been amazing wingers, but he's definitely one of, yes. He's he's quite unique. The funny thing is if you watch Brett Morris move, he's kind of moves a little bit awkwardly. He's not entirely fluid. 
but he's just a brilliant player. His finishing and his handling and he's unbelievable. Like some of the tries he scored um, over the years and even some of the tackle, his desperation in defense, he's, he's been an amazing player. Like as a winger and as a fullback, and I've always said far better as a player in person, like when you watch him live than he is on TV. You actually see how unbelievable he is as a player. He's fantastic and it's really sad. It's a sad end. He's having an amazing year. Playing better than last year, and then he, he rips his knee. So it was terrible to see that, actually. Real shame. Great career. Number four on the all-time try-scoring list. So just fantastic and, and go well. Hopefully he has a good retirement. It was heartbreaking scenes watching him and his twin brother in the changing rooms at the Roosters. He should be very proud of all that he's achieved in the sport. Great. Honestly, great career for three teams. The Dragons, the Bulldogs, and, and the Roosters. You know what is weird about the Morris twins, right? You remember Steve Morris, their dad? Yeah. As kids, watching his kids. He was like five foot five. Yeah, I know, but the milkman was quite tall. Like, I understand genetics, but it's like, your kid's really a foot taller than you. Are you sure they're Steve Morris's kids? Isn't your ch- boy going to be a foot taller than you? Not quite. I hope not but he's on his way there. He'll be a foot taller than you. Just call me Slippery G. Slippery Morris. (laughs) Uh, They do call you Slippery G for different reasons. And I saw that apparently Dino Metatesta, one of our favourites, is on the um, campaign trail taking out ex-shark legends for dinners and lunches all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, because... Everyone hates him, so he's on a tour to to please everybody and get everyone back on side, huh? Trent Barrett, he's still working hard on getting the Panthers team all to come over to Belmore, so we've signed Brett Naden. Yes. Absolutely needed. We actually just need a live body in the backs. So the fact that we've got Brett Naden's a bonus. And I have to say, a massive thumbs up to people like Latrell Mitchell and Jerome Luai taking on the racist trolls on the internet. Well, I agree with that. It's fantastic. Racism has no place in our society or in our sport. The last thing I want to mention is the absolute hypocrisy by the Broncos saying that other teams are vultures for poaching their young talent. Oh, Peter Donaghy when he took over as CEO, Donaghy. That was fantastic. Donnie, have you been around for the last 20 years? <laughs> what? He was at Melbourne, where the whole Melbourne system, they're not developing players, they're pinching them from Queensland Cup. I know. Oh, it's just... I read that and I thought, is this guy kidding? Like, I understand we're losing some of our youngsters because teams are... But to actually call them vultures? <laughs> yeah, you know, let me, let me give you some names. Glenn Lazarus, Chris Johns. Ben Barber, Anthony Milford... <laughs> Kevin Walters. Please. James Roberts. Who else is there? Anthony Mundine. Gordon Tallis. Gordon Tallis. Do you want me to keep There's heaps of them. If we actually bothered, there'd be like five teams of them that they've just gone, you know what? They're good. We'll just poach them for big money. Not to mention that it was always their players always stayed in Brisbane because um, the thoroughbreds they were they were into horse racing. Yeah, it was a lot cheaper to live there, so they turned down a five hundred thousand dollar contact contract in Sydney to sign for two hundred thousand dollars because Brisbane was a magnificent place to live. Excellent. All right, are you done? Can we move on to round eight? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Are you sure? Yes, we can. Okay, great. I'm just double checking because you know yep. you, you are you are known to have a premature start every now and again. Yep. That's why you've got the choke button on the car. That's right. All right. We move on to the 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 games in round eight. First up, it's the blockbuster Canberra versus Souths game, which I thought was actually disappointing. Um, George Williams was ruled out in the warm up, forcing Elliot Whitehead, Whitehead to five eight. Ruled out with homesickness. Jack <laughs> Jack White into halfback. And Jordan Rapana to... to I've, I've got in my notes that Jordan Rapana is a goalkeeper. Yeah, which is, well... Which is the role he basically played. 
After an Adam Reynolds penalty goal, Caleb Aikens threw a beautiful cutout pass to send Jordan Rapana over. Then Caleb went from hero to zero, really, to villain, dropping the ball. And the next try... Um, the next try, actually, people will focus on Benji's amazing right to oh, left the cut pass. It, yeah. oh, actually, that's the wrong thing to focus on with that try. And, I, and I've got these... And I want people to actually go back and have a look at the whole set by the Bunnies because it was actually an amazing set. The Raiders' right edge is the obvious side to attack. They've been having that problem all season, right? Yeah. But the Bunnies went the other way for four tackles. And then Damian Cook ran from dummy half on the fifth. Um, this sucked in all... The, you can actually see it set by set. They got sucked over to the other side of the field. And then the Bunnies committed more players to the left. So they had this massive overlap on the left. Uh, and that's how they got the try. So it was actually the lead up. It was very, very clever set. That is the difference between having a halfback who knows what they're doing and having your halfback ruled out. It was just a, a brilliant set rather than focusing on Benji's pass. After this try, I thought the Raiders largely dominated the rest of the half. Benji and Kyle Matunga, who otherwise was the Bunnies' best on the night, despite what Channel 9 says, uh, were badly caught out in defence with Elliot Whitehead's try Mm. before Sebastian Chris scored to make the score 16-8. This game feels like it was a year ago. Um, I know. Yeah, so so it's 16-8. Campbell Graham then scored just before halftime, and I think this swung the game. And the Raiders were up 16-14 at halftime, but all the momentum was with Souths. Again, the Raiders were poor in the second half for the third game in a row, particularly again down the right edge. They lost the second half 20-4. Jack Whiten had two tries disallowed in the last 10 minutes after Jacob Host was sinbinned for a professional foul for obstruction. Ricky was scathing after the game, but I thought... Both were clear obstructions under the rules. I thought they were clear obstructions. Just a couple of things from from my side. Ricky's management of the interchange was terrible. Is this? Have you been talking to Joey Tarpanay's wife? Oh, well, she's hundred percent right. Joey Tarpanay was on the bench for fifty minutes. So, so he see so, so got nine minutes during the game. Nine minutes. Why are you? Why is he on there if he's going to play nine minutes? There's no point. He's a forward. You could you could have carried a back for that position. So. I agree with Wayne Bennett. I don't think the Bunnies actually played that well. They only had really 25 minutes of good football in them in the second half, but it was enough to put the Raiders away. I don't know where the Raiders go from here. I'm not willing to rule them out because they've got so many injuries, particularly so many players out in the spine. And I think when they're full strength, they're a different kettle of fish. But my God, that window could be closing. And my last point is Souths' defence, they can switch on and off depending on who the opponent is. They do concede points, Souths. Yeah, I agree with you on the defence. I thought the move to Whiten from halfback kind of stifled him a little bit. I don't think Souths were that great. I don't think Canberra was that great either. I thought Canberra was terrible in the second half. Yeah, in the first half, I think they were the better team and they scored points. And that try, I'm like, Campbell Graham, ball by Walker, was a fantastic ball and I think... That kind of swung the momentum a little bit in Canberra, just fell apart in the second half. I, I didn't like the move of Whiten to halfback, and I think in the second half, once the Raiders got behind by a long way, and they started to open up their game a little bit more, you know, Souths, they pulled South's defence apart a little bit, and I thought they came back into the game. Um, I thought Cody Walker, when he, when he was needed, he created the magic. The right pass at the right time to the right player, hitting Alex Johnson in stride, like the right-hand side defence of Canberra, the left-hand side of South's attack, Bad matchup. 
It's almost like whenever they needed a try, they kind of scored South. But Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett was right not to be happy, right? I didn't think they, they played that well. They weren't that good. Like if I, I thought Canberra would, could have won, should have won that game. Oh, do you? No, no, I don't think so. I don't In think the so. The first half they were playing okay, right? In the second half they just didn't turn up. And I think the difference was really the the magic that they have with their ball playing South. How did Benji? How did Benji get man of the match? You know, I mean, I love I, I love Benji Marshall, but he he wasn't the man of the match. If you you go back and you look at all the tries, it's all Cody Walker. I don't even think he played that well. He had one cutout pass and he missed 100 tackles. Cody Walker gave the final ball for three tries, so... I don't think Cody Walker was that good either. I mean, he gave the final ball for three tries, but I thought Kyle Matunga was their best player on the on the night. I mean, I think it was a little bit of a nostalgic thing and, you know, seeing Benji perform at such a level when he's, you know, 36 and he was on the scrap heap essentially at the start of the season. And I know those shepherds, under the letter of the law, were a shepherd and an obstruction, but that first one by Benji Marshall, if I was a video ref, I would have just let that in. He like hid behind him like a five-year-old kid hiding behind a parent. I think the rules are clear. They've been clear for ages. That is that is 100% an obstruction. But the first one, he was like just literally stood there behind yeah, the but, guy. Yeah, but that's the rule. Why did Emery Gula stop in the line? So I kind of get that one. But at the end of the day, I don't know why Ricky's blowing. The referees, and if you don't know this, the referees go around to every club in pre-season and go... That is an obstruction, and that is not. And that example there is clearly an obstruction. It is an obstruction, yeah, it is. Under the letter of the law, and there's no there's no interpretation with it. I actually think they did a good job. They were two for two on both of them. Ricky can get angry all he wants, but they, they were clear obstructions. And that's a little bit of Ricky, I reckon, deflecting the issue. I was going to say, I think so. The issue was their performance. He, are, are we sure Ricky Stewart can coach? He was terrible at Parramatta. I actually think Ricky Stewart can coach to a point. He seems to get players motivated for a while. He can recruit incredibly well. He can relate to players fairly well and that he's always been able to recruit well. I think at the Roosters, he got given a dream run and got given a team that was primed by Graham Murray. I mean, and he had a brilliant team there and he did build it up and make some plays better. But he gets to a point where I think he burns players out. And I think that happened at the Sharks. It happened a little bit at Para. With Canberra, he's built really well and done a great job. And I think now he's started to burn the players out. And I think that's what's causing some of the... He's an intense guy. So, yeah. I, anyway, you know, I think the Raiders, uh, this season's slipping away. They're on their own. I don't think they're as good as the good teams at the moment. But they're better than, the, I suppose, the rest of the competition. They're kind of like in that sixth spot on their own. Are they better than the Bulldogs? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, of course they are. Please. They'd probably beat us with nine men. <laughs> Canberra will reduce to nine men. I take you guys. All right, we'll move on to the next game. So the first, the early kickoff on Friday was the Storm versus the Sharks down in Melbourne. Terrible first half, lots of errors by both teams. 20 missed tackles by the Storm and 13 errors by both teams in the first half. Sharks were the better team, but again, execution wasn't fantastic um, un- until Sean Johnson put a great short ball for Nick Nicora to score. Earlier, Josh Adokar scored an 80-metre try after the Sharks dropped the ball. Um, and and ju- and that was as a result of Justin Olam rushing in and absolutely smashing Sean Johnson. Cam Munster failed to convert from next to the posts. I mean, <laughs> he had a terrible night kicking. It was terrible kicking. Uh, but the Sharks were up 8-6 at halftime, but it just wasn't a good half of football. I mean, Craig Bellamy would have absolutely torn strips off Melbourne at halftime. And it looked that way because Cronulla completely capitulated in the second half, particularly through the ruck and the left-hand edge defence. Um, yeah. The Storm scored 26 points in 28 minutes. 
to make the score 32-8. to And Melbourne really didn't play that well. And the game still finished 40-14. to Can I also say, Remus Smith got a hat-trick for the Storm down the right edge. Now, but the Sharks' left edge was so bad, I reckon you could have got a hat-trick. Oh, I don't know about that. I might have scored one try, but not three. They were woeful because because it looked at times like the Sharks were playing with nine players. Can I, can I just give you a controversial opinion as well on something that I, if I was Craig Bellamy that I think he should have done in the second half. Adam Reynolds has kicked a two-point field goal this year a couple of times, and so's Nathan Cleary. And that game was in the bag with 20 to go. And I think it's really important to practice some of your plays before you might need them later in the season. And I reckon that at the end of that game, they had a perfect opportunity to set up a play so that they could practice that that two-point field goal in case they need it later on in the season. And they didn't even look like they were setting up for it. So I thought that was a wasted opportunity. If I was a coach, I would have been cranky with that. There'll be plenty of other opportunities against some of the crap teams, don't worry. But I understand what you're saying. (laughs) This was actually, I know we host a footy podcast, but it was a very poor round of football, actually. Oh, it was. I mean, this game was another one where I think it was just a tight, sort of sloppy game for the first half. The Sharks hung in. Times they played okay, but like you said, the execution wasn't quite there. I don't know why Connor Tracy's on the wing. I sort of get it, but he makes them far more defensively solid when he's in the center. I actually really like him. I think he's a good player. I think I think he's a good player, and I think he's. I agree with you. I think he's a better center. The Sharks were lacking a little bit of penetration by having Wilton on the centers. Yeah, he's big, but the Storm defense is too fast. So they, he didn't offer any threat, right? So it didn't help. I think Cronulla were just a little bit crisper than Melbourne, even though Melbourne defensively held them out quite easily too. Cronulla were on top, but they, they couldn't score any points, right? So And like you said, like the second half comes, and obviously Bellamy must have told him that they weren't playing well. I don't think he would have been that polite. <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic. Chaps, I think we can do a bit better than that. I don't think that was the conversation. Who wants a Big Mac on the way home? But with 34 minutes to go in the game, it was 8-6 to the Sharks still. And then all of a sudden, half an hour later, the score's 40-6. I love the Addo Car try, just the, the speed. But it actually showed me too how fast William Kennedy is too. Oh, yeah. He kept with him, didn't he? Yeah. William Kennedy's got a lot of speed, and you don't really see it when he's playing for Cronulla. He plays a little bit more in control. He doesn't outright, you know, the foot down. People have said to me, you're like the Josh Adokar of this podcast, except if Josh Adokar was Gavin Miller. As in what? On the ball-playing superstar that runs really fast? With a broken nose. With a broken... Yeah, I do have a broken nose. For those of you that don't know, G has lost a tooth, and uh, he's actually going to put get a gold one put in. So I'm actually pretty much like the Tigers and the Sharks, a little bit toothless at the moment. Oh, good, good job. Very good. good job. Sean Johnson seems to be. He's gonna be. He's gonna be great in rugby. He can't tackle. He can't. He can't. Oh my god. We need to have a chat. He, he's just going through his reads. He doesn't seem to be clear. He's not wanted. I mean, they've they've offered him four hundred grand, and he's he's on a million, isn't he? Something at the moment. Something so. like that. I know he's old, but you know what? The Bulldogs have no players signing. But you got um, you got Kyle Flanagan, who was superb against the Eagles. Of course. And I just think, you know, when you watch that game, Melbourne's just got too much variety for some of these teams. Short passes from dummy half, long, early kicks behind the line. Both halves take on the line. I thought Nico Hines' ball playing was fantastic. You had Hughes busting the line, Munster running at the line, their forwards offloading. They can attack you from everywhere, and I think teams really struggle with that, right? But it was only really 30 minutes in the second half, right? That was it. I mean, that was shit. They were terrible in the first half. Remus Smith, defensively getting better and better. He's the next one. You called it. He's the next one. And when he first came into grade at the Dogs, he was superb, right? But it's good to see him improving. His confidence is there. Now his confidence is in attack. He's busting the line. He's throwing passes. He's playing with a lot more 
confidence and a little bit of arrogance like the rest of Melbourne. And they're just too good. But I thought it was a poor game. And, you know, the odd highlight of some Melbourne magic, really. That's about it. But the Harry Grant... Brandon Smith combo that you called is working incredibly well. It is. It's a new thing, right? It's working really, really well. It actually takes the pressure off both of them. The, the way they're playing, they're getting the best out of both of them. It's really Craig, Craig Bellamy, great coach, right? He, it's under, his tactical stuff, everyone sees him blowing up in the box. You know, he's right up there in terms of tactical innovations as well. Absolutely. Right? You've, got to, you've got to remember, he's lost the big four. Yeah. He just regenerates, mate. And then they get guys like Adokar. Ryan Pappenhausen. They turn Jerome Jerome Hughes into a half. They got Harry Grant back. Brandon Brandon Smith. Like, they're, they're, they're there, right? They're superb. Just really, really good. Absolutely. Okay, so we move off to the poor Channel 9. Uh, <laughs> they... they the, the Actually, this o'clock. was an exciting game. Wait, for wait. The, the defensive, the defensive blockbuster that was Brisbane versus Titans. I didn't say it was a defensive masterclass. I said it was an exciting game. There's a difference. I mean, the Titans have conceded 112 points in oh, three games. Mate. Justin Holbrook, after the game, said, and I quote: "We either can't stop them through the middle." Or are making really horrible decisions on the edge. So in other words, they can't stop anyone anywhere on the field. Full stop. It's obvious. I've got nothing much more to say. And I think he's 100% right. Um, But they are must-see TV, the Titans. Something always happens in their game. But their problem isn't scoring points. It's conceding them. So uh, they lost this one to the Broncos, 36-28. But what a first half. The Titans came out breathing fire. And they raced out to a 22-0 lead. At which point... Honestly, gee, I thought it could have been eighty at that point. Oh, when they that. went in, when they went in for the fourth try after fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes, I went, "This could be eighty." The way and the it Broncos was all are magic. going, there was no Broncos in any, anywhere near the person that scored the try. Through the middle, the passing, the early kicks, the floating across the field, the grubber to the corner, they just blew them away in fifteen minutes. And I thought, like you said, I thought they're going to score sixty in the first half. Mate, did he change? I'll tell you that. Oh, my God. The Broncos' left edge was diabolical for those tries. Basically, they were all down the Broncos' left edge. They were just terrible. Uh, And then the game turned on its head with the Broncos scoring four tries down the Titans' left edge. Um, They really targeted Dave Fafita and Ash Taylor in defense. And Brian Kelly. Absolutely. They were three of them were woeful. It was 22 all at half time, right? And... Just an incredible comeback. The Broncos came out early in the second half and continued with another two tries in the first 10 minutes of the second half, continuing to target Brian Kelly on the left edge. It was the Broncos' biggest ever comeback. What I will say is he's got an attitude problem, Justin Holbrook, in that team. They only want to play football one way. They're like your analysis of football. They only like the attacking stuff. (laughs) They really need Tino back. He adds an element of starch to that team. Previous weeks we've been saying their best attacking lineup is Tyrone Peachy at lock, but they really miss Tino in defence. They're conceding too many points. On average, they're conceding 36, 38 points in their last three games. For the Broncos, it was Jermaine Asako's best game of the season. That step he put on was absolutely brilliant. The stats overall in this game were even. I just I just think the Titans have got a few issues, and Justin Holbrook said it's like coaching the under-20s again, and I can see why he feels that way. I think this is something for the Broncos to build from. They've won two out of their last three now. That's a positive for them. So my question to you, though, is will the Titans make the eight? Discussed before the start of the season, I thought they'd play their way into the eight, as in they'd definitely be 
you know, seventh or eighth. But the way it's looking now, the only time they'd make the semis is because some of the other teams around them are just as bad. They're four and against is going to be four 1,200 points and against 1,200 points. Four and against is going to be a problem. But, you know, the Dragons have kind of gone cold again. But a lot of the teams around them aren't playing any good at all. The Shark basically threw in the towel on the season. They might make it, but by default. Very disappointing defense. Like, the defense was abominable. When the Broncos got behind 22-0 and they started playing a little bit of footy, it brought some of their players into the game. And because the Titans' defense was so bad, they caught up really quickly. Like, Asako's, the step he put on Brian Kelly, that was woeful defense. Great footwork, but the defense was... It was like he was running in slow motion and Asako put a great step on him, but he just turned around and goes, oh, okay, he's gone. You had players where Dave Fafita, when they made a break, was 20, 30 meters behind play. Joseph Leilua gets carved up about that stuff, but because Dave Fafita looks like He-Man, scores these great tries, no one seems to really give him stick for some of his lazy defense. I've been I've been laying into him with his defense for a season and a half now. Got your million dollar a year player, who's the highest paid player in your team. If he's kind of not putting the effort in in defense, what kind of message does that send to the rest of the players? Ash Taylor is woefully unfit. I think a lot of their players are unfit. Can I can I just say, I, I think they need a half. I think Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor are clearly not going to cut it. I think Ash Taylor's off contract either end of this year or end of next year. I, if I was them, I, I'd be going after a big, big name half. I actually would bring Tanner Boyd back into the team. I, I'd go after Mitchell Moses. <laughs> it's what I'd do. Or Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds is on the market. Adam Reynolds in that Gold Coast team is a complete, they're a completely different outfit. I agree. Some great football by both sides. Terrible defense. Brian Kelly, like you say, Fafita and Taylor were woeful in defense. Like, terrible. And Asako's, you know, some of the magic that he put on was fantastic. I love the try where he did the step and, you know, passed it to Gamble and, he, and Xavier Coates came looming up. That was that was just brilliant the football. new Melbourne right? winger Xavier Coates. And he will get better next year. He will slim down. He's a bit bulky. He's fast, but you watch Melbourne make him better. He's not, he's not carrying Dave Fafita's pud. But I think I think what happened is once the, the Broncos scored a couple of tries, the Titans totally switched off in intensity as well. And then the Broncos made them pay for it by scoring, you know, really quickly. And once they got a sniff, the Broncos, their confidence went up. You could see it. And all of a sudden, they think, you know, thought we could win this game. And they didn't really allow the Titans back in. The Titans tried to step up a gear in the second half a little bit, I thought, T. To be honest, the Broncos were so desperate in defense because they could smell a win. Out of the six gears, which one do you think they were in in the second half? They scored 22 points in the first half and six in the second. They were in six gear for the first 15 (laughs) minutes. Then they switched back down to first. And then they tried to go back up to fourth or fifth. Come on, man. They weren't in fourth or fifth gear. I'd say they were playing good, but I thought the Broncos, they tried. They, they could have scored another three or four tries in desperate defense for the Broncos. Telling me the Broncos defended well. No, they just had some desperate defense at times to stop the Titans from scoring in the second half. That's very different to having an all-around good defensive game, right? Gee, there was over 60 points scored in this game. I don't think you're highlighting the right thing if you're saying the defense was desperate. The Broncos' defense was desperate to keep them under 40 points. Well, what do you think Payne Haas said behind the post, G? Listen, guys, seven tries, no further. This is our line in the sand. No, what he would have said is whatever. It's it's nil all. It's nil all. It's nil all. It's nil all. Look, guys, not on my watch are they going to put 40 points on us. 38 is the limit. Look, exciting game to watch. A couple of really good, you know, fantastic, exciting plays. Poor defense. And the Titans have got a massive problem. They can't tackle 
across the park and their their backs seem to be out of shape and a lot of their players don't seem to be fit and I did see Tremaine Spry who last year was a great surprise I don't understand why he's not back in the team I saw it highlights in the Queensland Cup and he's actually carrying a lot of weight too and that seems to run through the team and I think they struggle in defense as a result and they can't keep up their intensity anymore they can't play 80 minutes and it's a real problem so they've conceded 191 points in eight games 112 of them have come in the last three weeks. They get tired and get caught out on the fringe and they can't keep up. I don't know how you fix that. Can you fix it? Do you think you can fix that by the end of the year, T? Well, I think you're partly right. I think it might be a fitness issue, but I think I, I don't think you fix Dave. Dave Fafita had tackling and, and lateral movement issues last year at the Broncos. Well, that's just his body, body type. I don't know if you can fix that at all. That's an issue. Ash Taylor and Jamal Fogarty, not great in defence. That's an issue. I don't think you can fix that by the end of the year. This is why I'm saying Tino is so important to that team. You know what Tino does for the Titans? He does what Nathan Brown does for the Eels. He gives that pack a bit of starch. Remember when Tino went up against Payne Haas? He's got a bit of that mongrel about him. Defence as well, I think. That's important. Correct, both ways. If you're Justin Holbrook, you take two less tries in this game. You're happy to only score 20 points. Titans should be looking to win games 20, 20 to 14. I don't think that's going to happen. They don't have the team for it. The Titans are trying to win games at the moment, 36-30. Defence is terrible. Not an attack issue. So that if they have to bring players in that shore up their defence and as a result they score one or two tries less during the game, but their, their defence is twice as good, that's a trade-off they should make. Because they're not going to, even if they make the eight, they're going to get toweled up. All right, let's move on to Not So Super Saturday. Three spectacular games. The first one of which was the best one. Panthers versus Eagles. The game was at Bathurst and a sellout. It was great to see the crowds there. Um, what a first try by the Panthers down the left from a kick return. And, and then Brian Toho got another a few minutes later. Brian Toho, unbelievable. I mean, if you're picking Origin, he starts on the wing. He is. He's, I told you, he's the evolution Matt Utah. He's similar play. Ducks under tackles, bus tackles. He's a great finisher. He's powerful. He, he's... Why does anyone any good in rugby league, you compare them to a Bulldogs player? He's a similar player. Nuggety, big thighs, powerful. How many other players were like that? They were wingers. I think Brian Toho's got more potential than Matt Utah does. Oh, he does. He's got a similar style of play. He's, he's bullocking, he steamrolls players. There's not many wingers that have been like that. Given it's a Sea Eagles game, um, why don't you uh, tell me about Tommy Turbo and how much he reminds you of um, Luke Patton? Absolutely not. <laughs> Luke Patton is his um, war boy. That's a to- no, totally different discussion, buddy. So Matt, Matt Manley then got an intercept and Tommy Turbo went 80 minutes to score. Um, he The reason he was so fast and was able to outrun the defence is he, he said after the game he pictured Harry chasing him down the corso. And then Nathan Cleary laid it on a plate for Liam Martin just before halftime. Uh, Panthers were up 16-6. I, th- I thought Manly played really well in this game, and I- Des had a lot to, to be proud of in that team. Early in the second half, D- Daly Cherry Evans grubbed it off the post and-, and recovered to score to make the game 16-12. They then threw everything at the Panthers for the next 10 minutes. They've got the best defense in the comp at the moment by far, and they weren't going to get breached. Tyrone May scored to make it 22-12. I didn't think the Panthers were headed from this point, even though the Man- Manly got the next try to make it four to six points with 10 to go, but they eventually ran out 28-16 winners. Um, Brian Toa again was superb. And Jake Trebojevic looked good too. Tommy Turbo's made a big difference to Jake Jake's game as well. So 
Look, Manly played really, really well and still conceded five tries to the Panthers. That's how good the Panthers are. Again, I thought Toro was great. I love watching him play. He's just... He, he's Some, a, someone Someone told me he reminds me of them, them of Matt Utai. Do you know what? If you find another winger who reminds me of, you you, you tell me next week, okay? That's your homework. No, I'm not doing it. Your homework is over the next six pods... <laughs> To not mention a player that reminds you of a Canterbury player. There aren't many. There's heaps. There's heaps. Who? Such as who? You're like Brian Glanville with the Bulldogs. That reminds no. me of the of the Canterbury game in 2002. The, those kind of wingers, are, the short, stocky, powerful wingers are not common because they usually now go tall. Or He's one of the few players that can steamroll players, duck under them, but also finish around the outside. He, he's he's a very good overall winger, Brian Toro. He, he's great to watch. He runs hard, he busts tackles, and he's really skillful. And Matt, Matt Utai, towards the end of his career, started to look like George Rose. Yeah, like I told you, the evolutionary Matt Utai. <laughs> there was a few things that Brian Toro can do that Matt couldn't. <laughs> No, there was a few things that Matt Utai could do that Brian Toho couldn't, like not not go for the whole bucket at KFC. Yeah, like, but it's more um, the ducking under the tackles and getting really low to the ground while still maintaining your agility, which is quite, it's not, it's uncommon. It's quite rare. You know who you remind me of? You mm. remind me of Mark Tukey. Oh, God. He was pretty fast once he got going. I thought Mandy played pretty well, but I always felt the Panthers were going to win the game, but Mandy hung with them for a while. Penrith always felt in control, but I didn't think Penrith played badly. That's the thing. So Mandy did really well and they hung with them, but Penrith ultimately were too good. And Cleary, Nathan Cleary, just his composure. I think he's the best player in the comp. He like it's like if he wants to go short, long the the pass he gave to Martin, where Lee Martin didn't even know the ball was coming to to him, but he kind of hesitated, kind of threw a dummy. Martin ended up in a gap because the defender moved and he passed it to Martin and created a gap and Martin didn't even know the gap was there. It's just great instinct and great vision and it was... He's just in control, right? I thought this game he was fantastic. I didn't think Luai played as well as he usually does. You know, I just thought a little bit too good and defensively a bit too good. But what it does highlight is Penrith can be beaten when the other team has sheer pace. And can match their intensity. Because other than that, they're incredibly difficult to get around. Because the tries that Manly scored were because of just sheer speed. The Trebojevic one, if that was maybe most other players in the comp, they get run down by any of those Penrith players. And he just sprinted away from all of them. Yeah, but he, he thought Harry was chasing him down. He did. He put it into Turbo. And also the um, the try to Jason Saab. That, that was great to see. Great pass by Harper. And just the speed. Like he had no room to move, and well, I actually think I actually think Morgan Harper defended really well on Jerome Luai, and 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 Kikau as well. He didn't give Kikau much space. I think Morgan Harper has shored up defence on the right hand side with Moses Suli. He's bigger, he's power, he's more powerful, but defensively he's all over the place. Morgan Harper reads the game better, and I think it's made Manly a little bit of a better team, and he's a little bit more skillful. He's a bit more of a natural footy player than Moses Suli. And Manly, I think. Yeah, played pretty well, but Penrith ultimately were just a little bit too good. Man, I thought Manly played really well. I, I can't fault Manly, and they still conceded five tries, right? So Their full team back, Manly feels a bit more confident that they can win games now, and I think you're starting to see the confidence lift with, you know, players like Trebojevic and Cherry Evans, but a little bit more belief that if they, they're playing, they can actually win the game. Why is daily Cherry Evans's game affected so much by Tommy Turbo? And, ja- and Jake's game. I think they've got a weapon that they know they can win games with. I think, honestly, T, psychologically, it's hard to turn up when deep down you know you probably don't have enough firepower to win the game. I want to feel that one day by getting a good part- podcast at a partner. Then. Well, you know what? You're just going to have to go through the motions at the moment. I'll be doing some training down the um, promenade down at Ramsgate. 
in Sydney, getting a little bit quicker. <laughs> and when I come um, back a little bit more speedier, you know, we'll put out a pod to, you know, of a lifetime. I'll pay to see you run down the course at Ramsgate in Lycra. I would love to see you. No, I'm not wearing Lycra. No one wants to see that. Do you want to share your thoughts on uh, bicycles and bike riders and their Lycra? Can I ask why an amateur rider who's just riding on the road for just a little bit of fitness has to wear Lycra? You know, if I'm kind of unfit and I'm just getting into fitness, why why does it matter if I'm riding at 31 kilometers an hour or 32? <laughs> so I want you all to write in and um, I want you all, if you, if you want to know where to drop your letters off, just drop them in the ground floor car park at Belmore. You'll find G there most days. Yeah, of course. Manly has more belief that they can win games now with Tommy T back, and it's made a difference. It's lifted the team. Okay, well, they got the Warriors this week, so that's a tough one to call as well. So we'll see how that... So, okay, so we move on to the game you and I went to. I took my youngest son to his first game of rugby league, um, and I thought I'd ease him in with a game that I thought we'd win. What what a magnificent game of football and the fight put up by the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Do you know what my summation of this game is? I think Canterbury might be the only team that's bored both sets of fans on the same evening. <laughs> they, they absolutely did bore both sets The Parramatta of fans. fans looked as bored as the Bulldogs fans, except they were wearing blue and yellow, not blue and white. Oh my God. Just the Parramatta killed them. 32-10. Golfing class between the teams was huge. Bulldogs defensively poor through the middle. And in particular, the markers were really lazy. Pa- Para weren't that good, but they no. always felt like they had another gear and, and, and they still won 32-10. to A couple of things from me. Um, Clint Gutherson was superb for the Eels. He's the new Mr. Perpetual Motion. He is. He's always he's always involved and he's always following the ball. And his aerobic capacity is amazing. He's had two tries, one try assist, 259 metres, 10 tackle busts, three line breaks, one line break assist and two offloads and got given an early mark nine minutes early. A couple of things um, for Para, I, you know, that I was a little bit worried about this game and, and whilst we were never troubled, we do play down to opponents. We play at our opponents' levels. And and just a couple of things from my my side. Nathan Brown's injury looked bad. Looks like he's only out for a couple of weeks. And he it looked a lot worse than that, didn't it? It looked a lot worse live. Um, thank God it was just a hip injury that uh, is only expected to keep him out two or three weeks. And and we mentioned how important he is to the Parramatta Pack. Although Bryce Cartwright, whenever he comes on, he's been fantastic. How other teams didn't pick him up, he has been really good for us and can really make an X factor for us. One thing I will say is I don't think Dylan Brown's playing well i think he's he's got he's dropping the ball his hands are haven't been great this year and i don't think he's doing enough ball playing i think i think we might look better with will smith there and i think dylan brown could do with getting dropped you know he's had he's had a few off-field issues as well dylan so my a break might freshen him up a little bit before i get onto the bulldogs coaching the bulldogs tried to slow the play of the ball like they did against cronulla it was disgraceful how and it's clearly a tactic from trent barrett Hey, he's actually got a tactic, really. That mate, they are lying all over the play of the ball. And this six again rule, like you could see them managing the teams back in. Like people lie on the play of the ball for five seconds and get nothing. And the next time they lie on it two and a half seconds and they give away a six again. We don't know what it's been given for. There's no consistency. Because it's a penalty, no one's calling it. No one's talking about it. But the refereeing this year has been terrible. But watch out. That is his thing for the rest of the year. You and it's, you're not doing it in a wrestling way. You're not doing it in a clever way, the way the Storm do it or some of the, some of the other teams do it. You're doing it like it's 2003 and just getting your fat guys to lie on the play of the ball yeah, it's a lazy as long play. as possible. It's the lazy way. So my question to you before we settle in for Bulldogs Hour is um, you and I had quite a heated debate about what the problem is at the Bulldogs. My view is you can't judge Trent Barrett just yet. I'm not sure he's the right coach. 
but you guys have the worst roster in the comp. Your view is a little bit different, if you want to share that. Look, the roster isn't great. There's a lot of players, I think, on this team that are overrated, but the fact that they looked better under Dean Pay at times is a real concern of mine, and that's why I had that debate. It's not about winning the game. Much of your backline is a um, first-grade quality. When you watch Jake Avarillo play under Dean Pay, he looked like he could be a potential star. He looks like he's lucky to be in first grade now. Jake Avarillo, which other team? would he start for in the halves he's not a half he's always been a fullback which other team would he start at fullback fullback's a, a position that's stacked okay okay fullback stacked he's not a half which other team does he play for in any position what he showed is he can play football yeah but he's not there yet yeah but he showed flashes i don't think i don't think that back back line I think five of those players don't get picked in another team. It's not about are they better than other players. It's are they playing their best? And the answer to me is no, they're not. And that's probably the best way to frame it. The ceiling may be this for this talent. If you remember back to Dean Pay and the Dogs, they were so unhappy with the way he was coaching and the, de- and the focus on defense and all that sort of stuff. So they brought in an attacking coach in response to the fans and now you're unhappy. It, again, it could just be... The front office, you've recruited terrible players, you've developed, you've let the wrong players go, you haven't been able to keep the good ones. Adam Kieran, he, when he comes back for the Roosters, he's going to be, he could start. And he's someone who came through your junior ranks and you let him go. Yeah, we told Reed Marnie you're not good enough. Reed Marnie might be the starting hooker for Queensland this year. Yeah. He's been that good for us this year. He's been great. That's where I think we disagree. To me, it's not about where the team runs, it's are the players you have playing to their potential, even if they're not that good. And I would say no for a majority of them. Jake Avarillo had touches of a footballer about him. And you know what? Yes, he's young, but this year, he's probably done one thing in about eight games. That's dreadful. Like, if you watch him now, you think this guy can't play. Whereas last year, he, he scored one of the tries of the season just through his sheer footballing ability and speed and being able to read the game. Like, naturally, a footy player. Nick Meany is our best player in the back line. And yes, he's not better than other players, but can you say he's ever been put in a position where he's actually getting the ball in space? And the answer is no. That's the coach's fault. Nick Kotrick is, has been... I can't even explain how bad he's been. He's been woeful. Like, woeful, woeful. Tony Adams, the mole, had Nick Kotrick in the State of Origin team. As in what, this year? Yeah, Tony Adams. What sport are you watching? Am I watching the same game? It's unbelievable. And this isn't as a Bulldogs fan. He's basically been responsible for probably 10 tries this year by running in when there's already defenders inside. He has been so bad, it's not funny. Wateni Zelezniak is still very young, and yes, he's not a star, but he was a decent winger for the Panthers, for a good Panthers side when he was 19 or 20. Is he that good? No. But is he that bad? No. That's what I mean. I don't think the players are playing anywhere near their potential at all. I agree that retention and recruitment is a big deal, but Adam Elliott, despite all his flaws, occasionally would do something half-decent last year. This year... I can't believe he's still playing in first grade. But we've got no one to replace him. Sione Katoa has been woeful. Luke Thompson has been woeful. I actually don't think he looks like a hooker. I know he was hooker of the year and all that sort of stuff in the junior yeah, leagues. Twice and all that in sort a of row. Stuff. But, but he could be a bit like Brandon Smith. He might be a second rower. Anyway, let me ask you a question then. If you, if you feel this way. so and, and I don't want to say you're wrong, but you're wrong. If... <laughs> If the Bulldog... Trent Barrett, to me, is a cut-and-paste coach. He does the same shit as everybody other other team, and he relies on having superior talent just to win games because his tactics are no different to 10 other teams. I don't disagree with that. But if all your players played to their potential, what would the score of 
what what would the score have been on Saturday? I don't think they would have beaten Para because Para is playing at a different level of football. But I don't think it would have been a game where Para just decides to go through the motions and play footy for 15 minutes and wins by 20. Because that's basically what happened. I think it would have been. That's where we disagree. I think it would have been. I, I think your talent is that bad. Well, he handpicked Waddell and he handpicked Corey Allen and they're both terrible. But what I'm saying to you is, I, I, and we had this debate last year and you disagreed with me then as well, I can't tell you how poor the squad is. Oh, it's poor. It is poor. It is really poor. So let me tell you another squad. Let me tell you another squad that's really poor. The West Tigers. Now, for all their criticism, yeah, the West Tigers on paper might actually be better than the Bulldogs. Like, you guys are real... Like, no, on paper they are. Like, you've you got to think to yourself, the Roosters are amazing at spotting talent and they're probably one of the best run clubs in the comp. If they're saying, we don't want Kyle Flanagan anymore... When he's 20 years old... That's probably a good indication. And he got poached from the Sharks because he was meant to be the next superstar. So that's right. That might tell you something, right? Who are you going to back here? What the Roosters see or what the Bulldogs see? He's an upgrade to what we had. Anyway, like... To me, this game was... You know, even Para bored me. Other than a, a few touches of magic from Gutherson and um, Bryce Cartwright, the try he set, he set up for Sivo in the second half where he actually read the play like an old-school footy player, looped around to create an extra man and create numbers and, and put his winger over. I, li- I love the way Bryce Cartwright... He looks like a really classy player, yeah, he does. It gives Para a different look and they've got now a an incredibly skillful, rangy, lock type of player that can float around the field. Because he's actually quite athletic, Bryce Cartwright, but he's got amazing offloading skills and he takes risks. And I think Para needs that in the big teams. Against these teams like the Bulldogs and whoever else they can beat by going through their plays. But when they come up in the semis against these better teams and the games are tighter, he's someone that can give them a different look and make a difference for them. So I think it's a great signing. He's also someone who could miss a tackle and concede the other way but you've got to live with that but they need a few different looks to beat the Melbournes and the Penrith is the way I see it and there's a long way to go Melbourne and Penrith they could get injuries as well Para the next team up if Penrith and Melbourne have injuries Para's the team that's going to benefit game was poor Para instead of sort of pedal to the metal and playing some razzle dazzle football kind of turned it on for a bit here and there and as soon as the Bulldogs scored their two tries one was Avarillo you could just see the natural ability there right but he never gets that opportunity in the way we're playing yeah but Parramatta had put their cue in the of course they did but it was still a great try right your talent that you're saying these guys are talented, they only ever show it when they're down and the other team is not trying as much. They never show it at nil all. Last year was the same. Yeah, I think I think you underrate yes, Avarillo's talent. I just don't think they're first graders. I don't think they're that good. I really don't. I don't think Avarillo's that good. I, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think there's two or three players in there, but that's it. The rest of the team is ordinary. Don't get me wrong. But when your players who've got talent are playing under their talent as well, that's a coaching issue. I think when you follow a team, I think, and I do this with Para, right? You overrate the talent you've got sometimes because you want to believe. Oh, that's part of it. You are also the man that predicted them to finish 11th. Yeah, that was very optimistic. Really? They'll finish last. Really? 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 Para just decided, oh, you know what, they've scored a couple of tries. We're just going to step it up a little bit. And then Para just It was like your little brother. Your little brother gets his punch on you and you're like, I'm going to put him back in his place. Pretty much. That's exactly what happened. And so the Para just goes, okay, fine, fair enough. We'll just up the tempo a little bit, score a couple of tries, and then put the cue back in the rack. Well, you got Saints this weekend. Yeah, Saints will beat us. Boring game. 
I don't know about the Bulldogs. I really have no faith in Trent Barrett whatsoever. I really don't. How do you? How does the? How does the Perth Bulldogs sound to you? That's okay. I'll just start following someone else. I'll follow the Titans. At least they're exciting. Would you really? Would you stop following them if they moved to Perth? I don't know. Probably. Why would I follow them if they're in Perth? Would you follow the you know Port Hedland Eels? <laughs> like I mean, or the Darwin Eels, I should say. The Port Hedland Eels. <laughs> Anyway, go. Would you would you follow the Christmas Island Eels? And I can't believe I got dragged out to go to this football game when I knew. In fact, it ended up pretty well. I thought they'd lose by thirty. So you did. Twenty two wasn't too bad. My birthday present for you was buying you a ticket to watch your team. Is that like paying for torture? Last game on Super Saturday was the Knights versus the Roosters. The Knights have got a lot of problems. The Roosters dominated from the beginning to end with James Tedesco out. Um, Sam Walker again dominated. He had one try, four try assists, and this whole Try assist to yourself. That's not how the stats work, guys, in the media. But anyway, so Ernie had four try assists, three tackle busts, um, one line break and two line break assists. I love how natural he plays. He's 78 kilos dripping wet. They played the Eels this week. I, I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to be brought back down to earth this week. The Knights' right edge leaked five tries. Josh Morris getting a hat-trick. Tupu and Angus Crichton also getting tries. The Roosters, I don't know whether the Black Cats crossed Nick Politis's path, whether Nick Politis has broken a mirror or stepped under an umbrella, or is that or an, an, a ladder, or done all of those things at once because their injuries are unbelievable. Sam Walker actually hurt his shoulder. It looked like he got a stinger from Daniel Saifidi. And whilst he's only 18, he's had a lot of shoulder troubles coming up through the junior ranks. Brett Morris and Lindsay Collins sadly suffered an ACL injury, ruling them both out for the season. And Brett Morris, it looks like his career's over after a fantastic career. For the Knights, Tyson Frizzell worked hard and Ponga was okay. But they conceded seven tries. I think the Knights are gone. Question for you, given the Roosters' injuries, are we down to four content and the Canberra's woes? Are we down to four contenders? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Roosters are just... They've still got a very strong team, but they're just getting too many injuries to some of their better players. Lindsay Collins is a massive loss. He's taken a massive step up, step up this year. I know he played Origin, but so did Dylan Napa. But it's more his impact on the field. He's just... He's, he's always involved in the game. He's popping up all over the field, Lindsay Collins. He gives him a lot more um, versatility as a prop. He doesn't just stick to the middle. He, he plays all over the field, and I think he gives him a different look at times. Again, like you say, Sam Walker, he's just... What is with the Roosters and two first names? Sam Walker, Lindsay Collars, Josh Morris, Brett Morris, Sonny Bill William. William, oh, you're just amending names now to suit your argument. Walker, Texas Ranger. That's what you should call him, Texas Ranger. Jared, Jared, Jared Warrior Hargrave. Well, Sam Walker's having the same impact that, you know, remember those memes with Chuck Norris that he could do anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Walker, Texas Ranger, the, that's the Sam only Walker. Player, the only player I think that holds a candle to Sam Walker is Jake Avarillo. No, different player, different type of player. Yeah, one's good. All right, I'm going to send you some highlights of Avarillo from last year. You tell I'm me not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Sam Walker, he's just joyful to watch. What I loved the most was his, his second try, that the second try that they scored for Josh Morris where he kind of got stuck and then he sort of lobbed it with two-handed over to Daniel Tupo. Also, when he was trailing the break by Victor Radley up the middle and then to be able to stop slow down step backwards give and then keep watch the vision just you know what that's just magic stuff it's natural instinct of being able to react to what's happening and i hope that doesn't get coached out of him i say that only because because he's 18 and he's just starting to play a lot of the time the coaches leave the players as is you know in their first year and then they start to tinker with their game that never happens he just plays what he sees 
He reads the numbers. He creates space. The left-footed kick just decided to just chip it left-footed instead of right-footed. I mean, great to watch. The Knights weren't great. Just defensively, whenever they tried stuff, the defense for the Roosters just slides too fast for their attack, and they just weren't able to score or put on any points whenever they had the ball. And the Roosters just scored some really good tries through just good instinctual football. And the Morris brothers were, were great. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we talked about Brett Morris earlier, and it looks like his career's gone. So that, that's really sad to see. And he was having a fantastic year and a, a great, another great game. And Josh Morris has taken it up a notch this year. But, you know, it's like every opportunity that came about in that game where there was a pass that was thrown into space. There was always a rooster around the ball or a rooster ready to receive the ball. They were just first to everything and just, you know, too good. The Knights had a little bit of bad luck with the odd try here or there. But once the rooster scored two or three, it was done. Yeah, just a little bit too classy, right? I think Parramatta will be a big test for this rooster's outfit. It will week. be. They, they played, they've had probably one of the easier draws. But they've got enough talent, even with these injuries, to take take on those 7 to 16 teams. They do. Absolutely. And it's their attitude. Defensively, their attitude's superb. They win the game through their defence. Their defence continues to be superb. Um, but I just... I just worry about how they're going to go against the top four teams. I think I think these injuries are eventually going to take their toll. Yeah, they're starting to eat into their, their youngsters now in terms yeah. of we're hoping this guy can come in and do a job because you look at their bench even and they're starting to lose players to, you know, people that are in their first year or have only played a couple of first grade games. They're starting to run out of players. So, But look, they've that, that was, again, great attitude, great game, too good defensively and... Some great tries. Move on, moving on to Sunday's game. The first ga- first up was the Warriors versus Cowboys. This finished 24-20 to the Warriors. The last 10 minutes, neither team wanted to win this game. They were, they were both really nervous. Whilst the scoreline indicates this was a close game, it wasn't a high-quality game, the Cowboys came out and promptly, promptly went to sleep. So <laughs> there they were two tries down. Yep. The Cowboys left. Cody Nikarima tore them apart. I could almost in my mind's eye see you just on the couch Watching Cheering. this game. Oh, yeah. Just having a great time. Justin O'Neill, Scott Drinkwater, and Ben Condon are not compressed enough. So they're, they're, the problem the Cowboys had in that first half was actually not their line speed or anything like that. But if you see the good teams, they, they there's a rhythm to the way they defend. And the problem for the Cowboys was that that edge for them with Justin O'Neill, Scotty Drinkwater, and Ben Condon, they were too far apart from each other. So they actually needed to be a bit more compressed and slide wide. So... Cody Nikarima just cut them apart through those gaps. So, so impressive performance. He absolutely picked up, picked up on it straight away. They were eighteen nil up after twenty minutes, and it was twenty four four at halftime. And the Cowboys were absolutely dreadful in that first half, coughing the ball up when in attack, poor execution. Clearly, uh, your doppelganger gave them an absolute bollocking at halftime, and they yep. were much better after the break, scoring back to back. Todd channeled his energy. At he did channel his energy. They scored two tries quickly after the break to get it back to 24-16. Can I just say about Chris Butler, the referee? He's awful. <laughs> this is the second game I've seen him ref. He's just awful. And he's overweight. Hey, he should be playing for the Titans. Maybe he could be their next centre. They're running out of centres. So, um, a question for you, though. Justin O'Neill, is he, I don't think he's a first grader anymore. He's just, Not anymore. He was terrible. Man, he was... He's shot. It's like when Anthony Mundine said about Laurie Daly, right? The, Justin O'Neill looks like he's on old legs. He is. He's been around for a long time. He's been a solid professional. He was great for Melbourne athletically when he first started. And if you remember, he had a bad back injury as well, which then made him... He lost a lot of his athleticism, but was still able to be a really good player. But now that and his age, it's starting to catch up with him a little bit. You know, He sort of plays in straight lines a bit more now. Yeah, He's not a first grader anymore. 
He, he's a fringe. He's like a fringe player if you have injuries. I agree I with that. Say. And he would be the best player in the Bulldogs' backline. I don't know about that. But he'd be better than our centers, that's for sure. <laughs> he would be better than your wingers, your centers, and your fullback. Well, apparently, Kotrick is a New South Wales winger, according to the Mole. So there oh, you go. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know what he's watching. Cowboys in the second half targeted the Warriors' right edge. And Val Holmes put the team on his shoulders, I thought, and did well to get it to within four points. Um, He's been great the last few weeks. I think Val Holmes is finally finding his feet. Um, they got it back to 24-20. And then they had their chances to win, to be honest with you. And they, they, they'll probably feel a little bit disappointed they didn't put the game away. But it was watching... It, that those last 10 minutes were, was like watching two nervous high school teams play each other, right? Neither team... Both teams were petrified of making a mistake. And it was, you know, it was just nervous. But in the end, the Warriors were able to hold on and get the win. I, if I'm Nathan Brown or Todd Payton, I'm not happy with this game. No. I mean, for me, the, the good thing was watching the Warriors play some you know, expansive football in the first half. For the half, first t- 20 suits, minutes, though. Yeah, which suits their personnel. So, I mean... So, Warriors... Was... This is this is how I would characterise the analysis. First half, Cowboys shit. Second half, Warriors shit. There's your analysis of the game. Basically. But there was still some exciting play from Nicarima. Of course, he was fantastic. And I think, to be honest, Reese Walsh... I don't know the story about how he was signed for the Warriors or they picked him and poached him ahead of other teams. But if you're telling me that no one went after this kid and there weren't multiple teams chasing him, I don't... What are they scouting? Number one, I don't know how the, the Broncos didn't re-sign him. Would you, would you rather have Reese Walsh or Kyle Flanagan? I'd rather have Reese Walsh. It's not even a question. Well, I mean, this is what I'm saying about your teammate. Yeah, but Kyle Flanagan's highly rated all the footy people for a long a number of years. He was like the Who Jake cares? Arthur and the Sam Walker. But anyway, right? Well, Jake Arthur, I think, will be good. I've seen Jake, a little bit of Jake Arthur on, in schoolboys comp. And- he was he was one of those three, right? But anyway, he's um just his balance. Like he did slip over. It looked like he was wearing the wrong studs or something, unfortunately. But just the way he runs, I, I described him as a mini, you know, mini sort of Kalen Pong. And he plays very much like that. He's, he's so fluid with his movement and he's balanced and he's got great skill. And he's, he's an attacking football player. And what's happened is with the move of Rocco Berry to first grade and also Reese Walsh now, is the Warriors have got a little bit of pace on both sides of the field. I always felt they were a little bit sluggish in the centres. So now if they're playing a little bit more expansive, they can actually attack a little bit more directly. And I thought you saw that in the first half. And with Reese Walsh being able to threaten the line, that gave Nicarima more space to operate too. And I think in tandem, those two go quite well together. But like you said, some of the football the Warriors played, I think the first half, there was good offloading, players following the ball, something they haven't really done this year so far. And the Cowboys were poor, but the Warriors took advantage of that. But in the second half, they just fell away and Cowboys really came at them. And Drinkwater and Val Holmes are really dictating play along that sort of left-hand side attack. And Rocco Berry is a rookie. So, you know, there's a little bit of space trying to read the game. But they played really well on that side of the field and try, and almost stole the game. But like you said, that one team was great in the first half, switched off in the second. And Cowboys switched off in the first half and then played good football in the second. But for me, it's just good to see players like Nick Arima, Reese Walsh, Tuovasa Shek getting the ball in a lot more space, which was really good to see. And then watching like, Scott Drinkwater and, you know, Val Holmes find his feet against Scott Drinkwater starting to play better from in attack anyway and feeling more comfortable every week. Like you said, both sides didn't play well, but some good signs for some of the players. Yeah, look, I, I think Scott Drinkwater is a bit of an enigma. He's kicking, his left foot kicking game close to the line is excellent. He's a turnstile in defence. The rumour is he's going to go to the Broncos next year. And I, and I think he should because I think the Cowboys have completely signed two halves for next year and he's not going to get a gig. He won't. 
they won't, they're not going to put their signings on the bench that they've signed for big money. Correct. All right. So we move on to the last yep. game of the round. It was the dra- Dragons versus the Tigers. Um, this ended up being a... Look, it, there was a lot of people very critical of this game, but um, can I just say you could tell from the first half that the Tigers were trying. The Dragons always looked like they had more class, but the Tigers were tough. They just hung in there and they they gritted it out. Yeah, Dewey, again, was excellent. Luke Brooks still looks down on confidence to me, and he made some really poor last tackle options, particularly in the first half, or just bad execution of last tackle plays. And and it was 8-6 to St. George at halftime. St. George Illawarra, I should say. They didn't drop their bundle in the second half. Even J- Joey Leilua, um, he, he played disciplined, which is you can't always say that about Joey. Um, and, and they played smart, tough, madge footy and fully deserved their win. Um, can I can I just one thing that made a difference for them? Madge did change his attack, a la Souths, with the halves combining on the same side of the ruck rather than having a strict right left halves combo. So I thought that made a big difference. Um, Tigers had a better completion rate, less missed tackles. So they were eighty four percent versus sixty seven percent on completion rate. Less missed tackles, thirteen versus forty four for the Dragons. Um, made more line breaks, seven versus one, and made less errors, ten versus twelve. So in the end, I thought the, the Tigers deserved to win this. And I thought um, Adam Dewey, he was their best. The Dragons started off really well. I thought they were quite methodical in terms of not as in overly brilliant, but going through the plays, making ground, putting themselves in a position to attack. You know, their offloads causing big problems for any defense, really. That seems to be a massive thing. If anyone offloads, it creates chaos. And I thought once Zach Lomax sort of went off, they lost a little bit of that spark in attack because they had Billy Burns, who's a back rower, sort of playing in the centers. And I don't think it kind of worked as well without Zach Lomax there. So I think they struggled to score points, but also because the Tigers, like you say, really gritted it out. Like that Zach Sinney guy came up with some great last ditch <laughs> tackles in what defense. What a haircut. Oh, great haircut, great mustache. You know, but kind of like really sort of making last ditch tackles, really giving everything they got. And I think that some of that desperation really stopped them from scoring three or four tries in the first half. And the Tigers were gritty enough to keep the score low. They showed spirit. They showed spirit, which you can't always say. They 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 put their cue in the rack a few times this season. The dra- the Tigers, and they didn't do that. Yeah, and um, you know, and I thought the Dragons didn't quite throw enough at them in defense, in attack, and didn't use Dufty well in this game at all as one of their strike weapons. Norman was Norman and Hunt seemed to go. Th- be a bit more subdued in this game, attack-wise, I think. I don't think Norman's been playing well for a few weeks. He wasn't quite in his, the first few weeks, Corey Norman, this week. And the Tigers, yeah, hung in enough. And then they put together a couple of good plays with it. Dane Laurie was everywhere and, you know, made a couple of sort of half breaks and sort of created a little bit of chaos around the ruck following the ball. You know, and a great scrum play to sort of put Zach Sinney over in the corner. How good was that, though? He scored in front of... By the way, how many mates does that guy have? Yeah, cheers, like... Scott. It looked, it looked like he had 12,000. He must be an influencer on Instagram. So the, uh, well, I'm not on Instagram, so I wouldn't know. But the Tigers have got the the Titans this week, and I think that's a tough game to predict. And the Dragons have got the bye this week, so that they, they should be fresh for the week after. Otherwise known as the Bulldogs. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Zach. Look, Zach Sinney's try off the scrum was great football. Like a good a good inside run by Leilua created a bit of space and put him over in the corner. And I just thought. You know, once the Dragons got ahead, or the Tigers got ahead, I don't think the Dragons really had much to throw at them, really. And they stayed ahead and gritted out the win. It was a good win. I did find it interesting, though, reading during the week that Zach Sinia was going to let, be let go. I know that's one game, but he looked like a useful squad player at a minimum. 
So why would you let somebody like that go? I don't. Sometimes I don't understand this, the way they recruit and retain players. Clubs. Yeah, you can have one good game in first grade, but he looked. T, like a handy player, read the defence quite well. For a rookie, defensively, he was actually really good on the wing and made the right reads. And, you know, he kind of looked a bit lively in attack. Like, that's at least a player you can have in your top 30 or 25, you know, if you have a few injuries. Good win for the Tigers. Um, is good signs. And the Dragons seem to have gone... They've had a few injuries and there's a little bit of shuffling in their back line that's, you know, probably caused a little bit of... um. It's had an impact on their attack, I think. But they, they weren't that great. They were just very average and they've sort of come back to the pack a little bit st george yeah I, that's right so I, th- I it'll be interesting to see how they go though well they got the buy this week but but see how they come up in the next few weeks so that win this right, week let, don't worry anyway okay. well i mean they should it's a walkover so we'll move on to the preview of round nine that brings us to the end of the round eight review so um round nine um, first up in round nine is Souths versus the Storm on the Thursday night. I think it's going to be a great game. Souths have a few players out, though. Adam Reynolds, Cam Murray, um, after picking up niggling injuries last week. Um, Latrell Mitchell still suspended. So um, it is at ANZ. And I think that the Souths are $2.60 outsiders. The Storm are $1.50 favourites. And Souths have five and a half points start. I think with those injuries, I actually think the Storm... We'll get up here. I think at full strength, this is a very tight game. I just think Cam Murray's speed of play of the ball makes a big difference to their attack. Um, and I think Benji will be found out in defence. He's essentially the way I think this game will go. What do you think of this game? Oh, I think the Storm are going to win. I think, you know, Nico Hines is sort of coming into his own. He's playing a role as almost like a another ball playing 5'8". From fullback, he's always involved, but he's got the ball playing ability and vision of a a five eight as well. So he adds a different look to Jerome Hughes and Munster, who can also break the line with their with their footwork. But they're full strength, Melbourne, pretty much. And while South's team still looks good, it's great to see Braden Burns. Braden Burns is back. See, yeah, that's good. Interesting to see how he comes back. He he's always had a bit of speed and talent, but he's had a few serious injuries. Too many changes to South's team to be fluid enough to beat the Storm. AJ is back at fullback, Alex Johnston, but you've got Masters, Burns, Tane Milne. You've got, yeah, Cody Walker and Marshall in the half. So they've still got that that attacking talent and their pack still looks pretty good. But I think they'll miss, like you say, Cam Murray and also um, Latrell in this game as well. So I, I think... I'm going. I think Melbourne will beat them, but I, I, I don't know. It'll be, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a good game of footy. Last week's round was poor at times. I'm worried this could be a blowout to the Storm. I wouldn't say they put together a great 80 minutes in the last few weeks because they've played some of the easy beats. And well, neither team of, played well this week, so yeah, they've blown teams away. Out, but, but I think I think Souths have got more depleted. So if we move on to the Friday games, we've got first up the Panthers versus the Sharks. Um, the Panthers are unchanged in this game, and the Sharks have got. Um, Dugan's been named in New South Wales Cup as well as on the reserve, so it'll be interesting. He'll probably play in New South Wales Cup, I suspect, and Jesse Ramian's back in the setters um, with Wilton benched and Braden hamlin Ueli out with an injury. Um, the Panthers are $1.10 favourites. The Sharks are $7 and have 18.5 points start. Um, can you see the, the Sharks doing anything in this game? I think what will happen is similar to what happened against Melbourne is I think the Sharks will hang in for a little while. Um, I don't think William Kennedy 
is involved enough at the moment, especially at pace. He sort of lopes in and tries to use his ball playing. But Last year in two games, the Panthers put 94 points on the Sharks. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't. Look, I look at their team, and whilst there are some names there for the Sharks, how do they beat the Panthers' defense? They don't have enough in attack to beat their defense, and that's the issue that I see this week. And I'm kind of waiting for the Panthers to really put their foot down in a game, and I wonder if this will be it. I'm tipping, I think Penrith will cover the 20 point start um and i think they'll win easily i just wonder by how much it's going to be one of those games too where they clock off after they're ahead by 20 maybe or are they going to go on with the job but i think they'll do it in a canter right i i think it's there's no doubt they'll win the game absolutely i mean this is the week where they really do take care of channel nine because the first game south versus storm on thursday night and the friday night 8 p.m game for channel nines the eels versus the roosters Yep, and the eels are a dollar seventy one favourites, and the roosters are two dollars fifteen, um, and the roosters have a two and a half point start on this game. Uh, for the eels, um, they've they've actually named the same seventeen, including Nathan Brown. So it'll be interesting to see whether he runs out. With the only the, with Paolo named on the starting prop and Kafusi dropping to the bench. For the roosters, Tedesco returns at fullback. Manu shifts the centre, replacing the injured Brett Morris. Taki Iho replaces Lindsay Collins up front. Sam Verrills is also out. Um, he's got a, no, it's not a fractured eye socket, torn retina. So it looks like he's going to be out for another 10 weeks uh, with Good Ben Marshke. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah, it's boxing. It, it's an injury you often get in boxing. but So it'll be interesting to see how he got it. Um, ben Marshke has been named at hooker. Adam Kieran joins the bench. So we'll see what happens there. And Satili Tupanua is also out. Um, and Nat, So a lot of changes. Nat Butcher... Um, starts in the back row. I think we'll get them. The Eagles are $1.71, Roosters $2.15. It's a two-and-a-half point, point start to the Roosters. I think we'll get them. But that could just be a fan talking there. I want to see what the Eels have got against the Roosters this week. You know, they've they've had a few games where they've kind of clocked in and, in and out for a few of them. Um, and this week, they're going to have to be switched on for 80 minutes. But what I do want to see is the para attack versus the Roosters' defence. And what I mean by that is I want to see what Para's got against one of the best defensive teams in the comp. You know, to see what are they going to throw at some of these better teams in defense? What have they got in attack? What are, what kind of style of play are they going to, uh, are going to, they're going to implement in this game? So the Roosters' defense is going to be great. We know that. They've still got enough players to maintain that. But like you, I think there's so many changes. Unless Sam Walker creates some magic, which is done every other week, I can't see anything but para winning i just don't think it'll be a thrashing because i think the roosters defense will keep it tight but i don't know if the roosters can beat the para defense because they've just got so many injuries but god they've still got a pretty good side like you know they do they do so it'll be a great game so well, let's move on to the saturday games and first up on saturday super saturday although looking at the games it's not so super saturday again geez the saturday games have been terrible this season Ra- raiders versus the knights the raiders are a dollar 45 favorites the knights are two dollars 75 the Knights have a six-point start. Um, for the Raiders, Josh Papali is back in the front row with Ryan James dropping to the reserves. For Newcastle, Crossland is named in the halves to replace the injured Blake Green. Um, Hunt returns on the wing uh, with Stafford Toa dropping to the reserves. I think the, despite all the problems the Raiders are having, if they can't beat the Knights at home this week, well, there's probably bigger issues at the Raiders there. Because because they could miss out on the eight if this is not a win, they you know this is a game they should be winning. Winning. I I agree with you. It's at, it's at Wagga. 
and um, I think it's great to see the game going to the country. It actually is. It's um, I think it's a good thing the NRL has done. I don't know if they necessarily pump it up the way they should. Um, I'm not really sure how they market the game out there, but I think it's great that they're going out to the country areas. And I don't know, like the night this, I can't pick this game because the Raiders have been poor, but then. The Knights have shown flashes, but they've played against some of these better teams, which they're not quite up to. I'm tipping the Raiders, because like you, I think if you're going to be in the top five or six, they've got to beat the Knights. They've got to beat them. Even with Charles Nichols' clock stat out, even with George Williams not playing well, even with Josh Hodgson on the bench, um, even with Joey Tarpanay's wife giving dropping yep. two bombs. <laughs> yep. Um, she's making selections and running the interchange. So, yeah, I don't know. I just They have to beat the Knights. I'm tipping them. But if I'm honest, it wouldn't surprise me if the Knights win this game. I'm tipping the Raiders because I just think there's got to be a point where their talent overcomes the opposition. I think this is it, and this is kind of where they're going to say, look, we're better than some of these other teams. Tipping the Raiders, but possibility of an upset in this game. Yeah, there is a possibility, but I'm tipping the Raiders as well. All right, if we move on to the second game, it's the Tigers versus the Titans. I really struggle to tip this one. The Tigers are $2.60 and the Titans are $1.50, but the Tigers only have four and a half point start uh, for the Tigers. Tommy Talau suspended um, and Mo- that gives Moses Mbai an opportunity to come back into this team. He's one of the lowly paid players at the Sharks, at the Tigers. So I think he's averaging 400,000 a game at the moment. So. He's a player that's also he's... been terribly coached, had the wrong coaches his whole career. Well, I mean, but he's, he's, good thing is he doesn't have, he's not going to have a job in defence with Dave Fafita running at him on the right hand side there. So Good luck to him. And Little has replaced him on the bench. So Jacob Little, James Roberts remains out after withdrawing last week. For the, for the Titans, uh, Tino Fasil-Malawi is back in. He returns from suspension, replacing Fotowaeka, who's who's actually been benched. So Tino's playing in the front row. So they're still starting with Tyrone Peachy. Sammy moves to the wing in the back line, replacing the injured Corey Thompson, who's out for a while now. He's been playing great for the Titans. So that's a big out for them as well. It is a big loss, massive loss. Bo Firma moves into the centre, and Jamin Jolliffe replaces Sam McIntyre on the interchange. Uh, and the referee is Ashley Klein, who uh, is looking older and older each week. I struggle to tip this one. You could easily convince me the Tigers are going to win this, and you could easily convince me the Titans are going to win this. I don't know who's going to win this game either. This is a real hard game to pick. I am. I look at the Titans, and I think they play with a more expansive mindset. The problem is the defence that they had, they showed against the Broncos. Honestly, was woeful. To the point where anybody who ran at them, I could have made a break on Brian Kelly. I think that's right, and and that's a real that's a real testament to yeah, how he I, was. Yeah, I'm being serious. His defence was woeful, and you know, and that's still going to be a problem. They're not going to fix that overnight. My concern is, do the Tigers play the right way to take advantage of those defensive flaws? And that's where I'm conflicted because I don't think they do. I think they make it easy for the opposition defence because they're running straight lines and don't really do anything else. I, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think the Tigers... I, I think a lot will depend how the Tigers defend this game. If the Tigers' defence is up, plays like it did last week... They'll win the game, I think. They'll win the game. If the if this turns into a point-a-thon... Forget it. They've got no chance. I think, I think, I think the Titans will win. Do you know what? I'm actually going to tip the Tigers in this game. I, well, I don't know, but I'm leaning towards the Tigers at the moment. I've still got 24 hours to make up my mind. Who knows? I mean, I'm tipping... I I'm tipping the Tigers because I thought the attitude against the Dragons was really good. I think, honestly, having someone like Zach Sinney, sounds weird, he's a winger, but he just seems so happy just to be playing that it's got to have some impact on some of the players around you that have been around for a while. They can be a bit jaded, you know? When was the last time you were described as happy and youthful enthusiasm, G? Oh, a long time ago. And um, enthusiastic, yes, but happy and young, ooh, ages ago. 
Yeah. And um, I just think the Titans have let me down a little bit too much this year with their defense and up and down play. So I'm, I'm I just got a text message through from Justin Holbrook. He said, fuck you. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. But So, G's just getting personal with the coaches in the NRL. Yeah. It's good to yeah. see. All right. I think the last game on Super Saturday is another hard one to pick, and that's the Cowboys versus the Broncos. The Cowboys are $1.54 favorites. The Broncos are $2.50, and the Broncos have four and a half points start now god knows how this game's gonna go this is a hard game to pick strangely jake jake clifford returns at halfback ben with ben hampton out injured justin o'neill is also out which strengthens their background with javid bowen his replacement at center um for the broncos um one to 17 at this stage is the same as last week i'm struggling to pick this one as well if the cowboys play anywhere near their potential they should win they win the game that they've been starting slow in so many games and the Broncos start slow as well. So this could be the worst first 20 minutes of any game this season. The Cowboys and the Bulldogs is that. that oh, nothing yeah, that beats was, that. That was, that was. That was. That was disgraceful. Or oh, the Cowboys, the Broncos and the Bulldogs. Remember you said it was going to be nil oh. at halftime. The half, it was a terrible It was 2-0 half. at halftime. I don't think this will be as bad. I'm actually going to tip the Broncos because I just think... There you have it, people. Get on the Titans and the Cowboys because I actually see how G's going in our tipping comp. At times, their confidence is starting to come through. They struggle at times, but I think when they really believe they can win the game, they're a different side. And I think they'll believe they can beat the Cowboys this week. I'm going to tip them, but geez, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys turn around and flog them by 30 as well. Like, this game's just all over the place. No idea. Stay away. All right. It is a stay away. Absolutely. Don't gamble on this game if you gamble. The only thing you might want to put points on is I don't know whether there's what the odds are for more than 60 points in this game. There's got to be at least 50, I reckon, in this game. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this game's a chance at having more than 60 points. I look forward to doing the review next week when the Cowboys get up 8-6. So <laughs> moving, moving to the Sunday games. Uh, first up, it's the Seagulls versus the Warriors. The Seagulls are it's at Lotto Land, which will be played in front of three or four hundred people. It's a dollar forty-five for the Seagulls, two dollars seventy-five for the Warriors. The Warriors have six and a half points start. Josh Aloaye in is in for and Mar- Marty Tapau are actually both out. Kepi starts up front and Alakawa too is in the second row. Suli remains on the bench. In the extended bench, there is another Trebojevic, Ben. How many of them play footy? Like I mean, I don't know, but that's the third one. So so. If there's any injuries, you could end up with three brothers playing in the team. I don't know whether... Well, the Hughes brothers would have been the last one that was like that. No, the Walters and the Hughes. Oh, the Walters, yeah. But they did, did they ever play in the same team other than Rep? No, no, because Kerrod was at um the Broncos the whole time, but Kevin and Steve played for the Raiders. And Kevin then went up to... Yes, and then Kevin went the up Broncos, to the Broncos. Yes. Yeah. So for the Warriors, um, Eliesa Katoa returns, replacing Ben Murdoch-Masilla in the pack. I think Ben Murdoch-Masilla has been playing well for the Warriors. Yep. Uh, but both Ewan Aiken and Chanel Harris-Tavita appear as reserves as they near returns themselves. So what do you think on this game? I think the Seagulls get this. I'm tipping the Seagulls solely because of the second half by the Warriors last week. But I think the Warriors look good. And they're better. And also, I don't think Chanel Harris-Tavita is going to get back in the side. I think Reese Walsh is going to be the six for the rest of the year. It could be. Um, and he'll probably play off the bench. But I like the way they played football in the first half, but they only played it for 40 minutes. So that's not going to cut it. The Seagulls are improving. They're playing with a lot more confidence. They're getting better. They did match Penrith, and they were quite, they've been quite solid defensively as well. Unless the Warriors play an expansive style of footy, it's not going to trouble the Seagulls' defense. 
and I think the Seagulls will beat them. The Seagulls did beat them 13-12, right? Yep. I know the conditions weren't the best, but that was also prior to their uptick in form and all of a sudden getting Tommy T back and playing a totally different style of football, the Seagulls. So they've improved since then. I can't really say the Warriors have gotten overly better. Okay. All right, we're both tipping the Seagulls there. If we move on to the last game of the round, it's Saints have the bye against the Bulldogs. The Saints are a $1.28 favourites. The Bulldogs are $3.75. The Bulldogs have got 11.5 points start, which won't be enough. Uh, Fui Maiono moves to the back line to cover Zach Lomax for the for the Dragons. Poasa Faumasuli returns on the bench, replacing Jackson Ford, who stepped up late last week. For the Bankstown, Dallin Wateni-Zelezniak shifts to fullback, his best position. God help you. With Meany moving not, to the he's wing. He's a winger. He's not a fullback, but anyway. I know. Sarcasm. With Meany moving to the wing, Lachlan Lewis reappears in reserves after a few weeks missing with concussion symptoms, so it looks like he's on the way back. And he successfully retired. He did play New South Wales Cup last week. And Ben Cummins is the ref that game. I look forward to him trying to manage the Bulldogs in the ruck. I think Saints will win this, and I think they'll cover the 11.5. I actually think this will be a tight game. I think the Dragons will have a little bit too much class to win. I don't like the centre pairings for the Dragons against the Bulldogs. I think Dragons don't have enough strike in their centres to overly trouble Hopewadi and Allen because they're slow. In modern football, it's not the job of the centre. Bird and Fuimono, you know, can run run straight up and down. I think Alan Hopewadi can handle that type of football. I, it, to be honest, this game's up to Corey Norman and Matt Dufty. If they don't play well, um, I can see maybe the Bulldogs actually sneaking a lucky win. But if Dufty and Norman are, are on even a little bit, not even close. I think they'll they'll blow them away. I think the centre of defence has been terrible. And if Norman and Dufty attack that and Ben Hunt attack that, I can't see the Dragons losing at all. Well, I, I, I think Saints will kill you. Saints were, weren't very good against the Tigers. You guys were worse against the Eels. They'll beat us by 10. I reckon 10 points. I think they'll beat you 20 plus. There you go. Nick Kotrick, State of Origin winger. <laughs> all right. Well, on that depressing note for G, it brings us to the end of another G&T show this week. Thanks once again for joining us and we will see you next week. Thank you, G. Thank you and thank you for wasting my Saturday night watching the Eels and Bulldogs. I appreciate it. Well, at least it was for free. See ya. See ya. Bye. <laughs>